Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Well, thank you for, for my lilacs, by the way. I love the smell of lilacs. This is the time of year in Maine that lilacs bloom. I look forward to this week every year because yeah, they only bloom for about a week or so. It's a short period of time and we try to take advantage of it. Very early on in our relationship, I had mentioned to Kat that I loved the smell of lilacs. It reminds me of when I was a kid growing up in a small town in northern Maine. And I came to work one day and she had filled my office with lilacs. Whatever. And so every year, early to mid-June, when lilacs uh, bloom, she breaks into people's yards and steals them for me. And I We don't love, have a lilac bush. We don't have a lilac bush. And uh, so this is like the, uh, I don't know, what, ninth year in a row you've stolen lilacs for me. She even keeps in her truck what she calls her thieving scissors. Thieving scissors aren't just for lilacs, no, but yeah. That's true. She's actually stolen uh, several species of vegetation for me over the years, and um, I couldn't love her more for it. I'm not the only one who has thieving scissors in their car and a bucket and a shovel <laughs> for just in case. Yeah, but... Usually those are murderers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. You no just, zip ties, though, yeah, so zip, I'm doing okay. <laughs> zip ties and a tarp, you're going to the who's gal. You get pulled over with that stuff. Yeah, anyway, um, so do I go first? I go first. Oh, okay. And here we go now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go now. Here we go. Here we go now. I have no idea what just happened. Weird. So Nick and Erica, they met in high school. They went to the university together. They got married. Nick and Erica Ruhlman are their names. They live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Nine years ago, they had a son, a baby boy. They named him Luke. Luke, from a very early age, showed signs of being exceptional in many ways. He was able to talk at a very, very early age and not just, you know, baby talk, but complete sentences. And he sounded very articulate. They used to call him an old man. Uh, Say, so, hey, sounds like an old man. Listen to him. 
so full of personality and, and a funny kid. One day they were uh, out on the deck behind their house. Uh, Erica and, and Luke were mom and son. And she found a ladybug on the deck. And she said, let's name the ladybug. What do you want to name the ladybug? And he said, Pam. And so she thought that was pretty funny. You know, where do you pull that name? You know, Pam. Sure. Pam, I'm going to name this bug Pam. Well, I mean, children name things weird names. What was your first cat's name? Which one? Nana Tricycle or Chest of Drawers Glass? Nana Tricycle. Nana Tricycle. Yeah. Well, those are two things that I really loved, and I just kind of put them together. My Nana, my grandma, and my tricycle. So, you know, I loved the kitten, so I called it Nana Tricycle. Chest of Drawers Glass. I don't know where I got that from. Anyway, Pam is a much cooler name. So he named it Pam. Over the following weeks, he started referring to all kinds of inanimate objects. Stuffed animals that he had, he'd call them Pam. Oh, Okay. So everything was Pam. Okay. Except if it was a boy object, then it was Luke, which was his name. Okay. Like if you saw a boy doll and a and a girl doll, it would be Luke, Luke for the boy and Pam. Pam for uh, for the girl. I got it. I went through a weird phase when I was younger where I named everything Bob. It really? Was, it was a pretty word that I enjoyed the the look of very much. Because it's symmetrical. Right. I had a translator that my dad got me from like a sharper image type store. I think it was like Brookstone or something like that. Anyway, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I named it Bob. You named your translator Bob. Right. Okay. Also, I had a rat named Bob. Uh-huh. That got confusing, I bet, for your parents. You know, where's Bob? And they're like, which one? Your translator or your rat? Oh, no. They didn't pay any attention to me at all. Well, that made it easier for you then. (laughs) Now, he's about two years old when he starts doing this. Okay. And over the next few years, it it ramps up. He's naming everything Pam. So, there... It's Halloween. So, it's Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. Did you just confuse Halloween and Valentine's Day? I apologize for that. (laughs) I got Halloween on my mind because of our our Halloween week tour that we're going to be doing and I just so, thought maybe Valentine's yeah. Day is scary for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's scary for most guys, I think. So it's Valentine's Day, and Mom and Dad and little Luke are in their home, and they're cutting out little hearts out of construction paper. And Erica, the mom, pastes one on the window, and it kind of looked like an owl. You know, it had a little owl face, but it was a heart. He drew a little face on it. And, and she said, hey, this looks like an owl. What should we name him? And he said, Pam. This had gone on for a long time. And so she just said, why do you name everything Pam? Who is Pam? And he said, I was. And she said, what? And he said, yeah, before I was Luke, I was Pam. When I was a girl. Aha. Uh-huh. And she thought, okay, kids, what are you going to do? (laughs) What's going on there? So he kept doing this, you know, Pam, Pam, everything is, uh, is, is Pam. And so she, she asked him again. She said, who is Pam? And he said, I was Pam. I was Pam before I was Luke. I died and went up to heaven. And then God pushed me back down and I woke up and I was a baby and you named me Luke. And so she's thinking, hmm, okay, that's, that's pretty, that's a good story, Luke. Now, this is a family that uh, doesn't really follow any uh, organized religion. Okay. They've never told him really anything about God or heaven or anything like that. 
they're not against it, but it's not something that's part of their everyday life. Sure. So I would immediately wonder, like, who told him this? Right. Who gave where, him this story? Where he got? Where did he get this? But right. he's been he's been naming things Pam since he was two. So one night they're watching TV and a documentary was on about the Oklahoma City bombing and it showed the government building after the explosion. We've all seen that iconic photo where half of the building is missing. Yeah. Luke covers his face and says, I can't watch this. This scares me. And she said, okay, well, that's fine. I understand. We'll, we'll turn the channel. And he said, because I died in a building like that, they said, this was an explosion and it was a horrible thing and it was a long time ago. He goes, no, the building I was in didn't explode. It didn't blow up. It burned down. And then he took his hand and he made a little gesture like a person standing on on the top of a building Mm -hmm. and then as if the person jumped off. Oh, I see. So he's like, I'm doing it right now for those of you who don't have pictures, which is all of you. You described it well, though. Okay. I I know what you're saying. All right. She said, what are you talking about? And he said, quote, we just went to the window and jumped out. The building was on fire. So again, she's thinking child's imagination. Right. They don't really have any inkling toward reincarnation or anything spiritual like that. In fact, the father, extremely skeptical the entire time. The mother's starting to go, "Eh, you know, I'm interested to see if any of this stuff pans out. Sure. So she doesn't want to put ideas in his head. She just waits for him to start talking about things. Exactly as you should when you're investigating stuff like this. And so he was talking about when when I was a girl, I had black hair. And she said, well... Well, where where did you live? And he said, Chicago. And she said, Chicago? Are you sure? Chicago? And he said, yes, my brain is working really well right now. Chicago. That's how he, he put it. Okay. And then she was wearing earrings and he reached up and he said, when I was a girl, I had earrings like that. So these types of things, she started gathering bits and pieces of information. Mm-hmm. She knew it was a person named Pam that he claimed to be. That Pam jumped out of a burning building in Chicago. So she goes to the Google machine and she types in all of the information that she has. And and of course, when you type in Chicago and fire, you're going to get the great Chicago fire. Of course. So she thought, okay, well, you know, there was no, she couldn't find any reference to anybody named Pam, you know, in the Chicago fire. A lot of people perished in that anyway. But she found one remaining structure from the city at that time that survived, which is a water tower. And so she took a picture of the water tower and she showed it to Luke. And she asked him, does this look familiar to you? And he said, no, no, I I don't know. And so she thought, okay, well, it's not the Chicago fire, or at least that kind of, in my mind, puts it to rest. Mm-hmm. But she, she keeps trying. And so instead of ta- typing Pam in the next time, she typed in Pamela, Chicago fire. She got a hit. In 1993, there was a horrible fire in a building called the Hotel Paxton. 19 people died Mm. in this hotel. Several of them jumped out of windows. One of them was named Pamela Robinson. Now, you're probably wondering, that sounds like a pretty big disaster. Why haven't I heard about this? 
I'd never heard of the Paxton Hotel burning down. What was the Paxton Hotel? Well, the Paxton Hotel was a transient hotel in a primarily African-American neighborhood of Chicago, Uh which is probably why it didn't get as much coverage. So she did some more research, found out where her funeral was held and actually found a picture of her. And Pamela Robinson was an African-American woman. Now, Luke had never mentioned anything about skin color. Right. Just that he had black hair when he was a girl. Okay. And so one night she's talking him in and he's talking about when he was a girl. She asked him, what color was your skin? And he looked at her, she said, like she was crazy and said, black. So that's when she started to really kind of think, holy crap, uh, there's a lot of things that are kind of lining up here. Sure. The Paxton Hotel fire was in March of 1993, by the way. Now, of course, Erica couldn't explain how Luke could have known about all of these things, you know, starting with Pam or the fire being in Chicago and details of people jumping. Kids have imaginations for sure. And Mm -hmm. and clearly it could be something like that. But there just seemed to be a lot of little details that how would he know these things? Is it a coincidence? Well, I mean, yeah, that I think once you find something that you think it lines up with, you know, you'll you'll make those details match. That, that happens sometimes. It does. What I find interesting about this is that uh, neither the mother nor the father really had an interest in making it line up. Sure. And she kind of went into it like, this is interesting, but, you know, I'll just. Right. And then she, the more she did, the more she started to find things. The father, on the other hand, completely skeptical. Just, you know, nah, this is just, he's right. a kid. He's a, a kid. Kid's Kids imagination. Say things. They were contacted by a Lifetime Network TV show called uh, Ghost Inside My Child, which which talks that about... sounds <laughs> like a terrible name for a show. It, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. But it, it is about uh, children who remember, allegedly uh, remember, past lives. Got it. And they wanted to feature Luke on the show. Now, how did the show find out about Luke? Luke's mother didn't tell anybody other than... Um, a couple of close friends, and her mother. And none of these people were believers in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. They just thought it was kind of interesting and quirky and strange. I guess Erica's mother, Luke's grandmother, mentioned it to somebody who had some knowledge of cases similar to this. Got it. And mentioned it to somebody else who knew somebody who was doing this TV show. Got it. They make a point to, to mention that they have... You know, they didn't get any money for this. That's Mm -hmm. not what this was about for them. In fact, they didn't want to do the show at first, but then ultimately decided to because they thought it was a story worth telling. During the filming of the uh, episode, Erica took the picture that she found of Pam and she photocopied it with eight or ten other pictures, just random photos of people that didn't have anything to do with anything. Got it. Just off the interwebbles. And while the cameras were rolling... They put the, the piece of paper down with all these photos on it, and they said to Luke, do you recognize anybody, any of these people? And he said, no, I don't, I don't recognize any of, of these people, except Pam. I remember when that was taken, and he pointed right to the photo that was Pamela Robinson. Interesting. And I guess there were maybe 10 photos, so... 
10% chance that he could have just gotten it right. But he, he was very committed to his decision that, well, that's, that's me that right. I remember when that, I remember when that photo was taken. So the show reached out to Pamela Robinson's surviving family members. Initially, they didn't want to talk about it, but after a little bit of time, Pamela's daughter did reach out to, to Luke's family and they started talking about different things. And one, one of the things that they found that was kind of interesting is Pamela Robinson uh, was obsessed with Stevie Wonder. She loved Stevie Wonder. She played the keyboard. That's awesome. Luke had a little toy keyboard that he played all the time and he sang Stevie Wonder songs. <laughs> Again, could be a coincidence. Sure. But it's just really, uh, really interesting and amazing. This all took place when he was five years old. By the time he was six going on seven, he wasn't talking about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we have seen over and over again when we talk about these types of uh, childhood um, past life remembrances is once they get to a certain age, they start forgetting it. Right. And they don't talk about it anymore. And that was what happened here as well. He's now nine years old. And just, you know, living a normal, healthy, everyday life. Just Luke. He's just Luke. No more Pam. That is interesting. Did did Luke and Pam's daughter ever meet? I don't know if they ever met face to face, but they had uh, had discussions. Got uh, it. Either over the phone or email. or. <clears throat> but it's my understanding that the TV show made the connection for them. I wonder how that went. I would be interested to see that as well. I found that episode of Ghost Inside My Child and uh, watched the, the segment of it. And that little boy, Luke, when he's telling the TV show producers what happened, he just, matter-of-factly, he was just like, we just walked to the window and, and jumped out. It was too hot. Wow. And there are news footage videos of the Paxton Hotel fire on YouTube. I, I Googled it, mm -hmm. searched it. It's it's pretty horrifying. There are people hanging out of windows with flames licking at their fingers, oh. people standing on ledges. It's like the uh, Triangle shirtwaist fire where women were trapped in the top of, a, of an industrial building in the early part of the, of the 1900s, and they all had to, or many of them, had to jump to their deaths to get out, which, as horrible as it was, led to um, more safety precautions. Right. And also really push the women's suffrage movement forward as well. Sure. That's kind of what it reminded me of, you know, seeing these poor people right. hanging off the side of the building. Ooh. What a horrible thing to remember as a child. Well, it's your last memory. Yeah. You know, if it's uh, I had a past life regression once. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Maybe not on the podcast. I don't know if we've talked about this so. on the podcast, but I, I did have a past life regression uh, a number of years ago, quite a few years ago. So when I seem to be a little more willing to believe that uh, these types of things are real or possibly real, that's the reason why I felt I had been taken back to a life as a blacksmith in Worcester, Massachusetts in the mid 1800s. And I remembered specific things, very detailed things, mm -hmm. including my daughter walking along the fence and falling off and getting injured by horses. But the thing that was most vivid in my mind was the moment that I appeared to have died right. of smallpox. I died of smallpox in a hot attic room on a farm somewhere in uh, Worcester. And it just seemed so real to me. 
And I've spent years trying to find evidence that, you know, would um, corroborate this, but I have not been able to. All I know is that it seemed very real to me. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, it piques my interest. Oh, sure. Reincarnation. It's real. <laughs> In researching this, of course, I ended up going down a reincarnation rabbit hole. Of course. And I came across another story about a three-year-old boy from Golan Heights near Syria. He was born with a red birthmark on his uh, forehead, and he claimed he had been murdered in his past life. Oh, my goodness. Physician Dr. Eli Lash claims to have investigated the story firsthand. He took the boy from the city, from city to city, actually, in Israel until the boy recognized a village. And he said, this was my town. He walked around the town. He pointed out things that he knew from when he was there before, correctly identifying landmarks. And, you know, he was a young kid, three years old. Suddenly, he, he approached a strange man and said to the strange man, I used to be your neighbor. We had a fight and you killed me with an axe. Then the, the boy led Lash and the accused man to a spot and claimed that is where he was buried. And they dug up a skeleton that had a wound in, in his skull that corresponded what? with the uh, with the boy's birthmark. The accused man allegedly confessed. That's cray. Yeah, that's what the interweb says. <laughs> <laughs> this is largely based on rumors. So I just need to, you know, sure, qualify sure. that. You should. But I... Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's it. I'm done. Goodbye. And now, the Box of Oddities brings you that thing in the middle. In Detroit, sometime in the 1930s, a young, if incredibly careless, mother must have been eternally grateful to a man named Joseph Figlock. As Figlock was walking down the street, the mother's baby fell from a high window onto Figlock. The baby's fall was broken, and both man and baby were unharmed. A stroke of luck on its own. But a year later, the very same baby fell from the very same window onto poor, unsuspecting Joseph Figlock as he was again passing beneath. And again, they both survived the event. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids. And they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child. And she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer this message is sponsored by green light 
You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. You're listening to The Box of Oddities. Hang on, we just got a text. Not sure we made <laughs> Okay, that can wait. This is The Box of Oddities. We got an email from Lissa, and she wrote that she'd been meaning to write the two of us for a while and finally getting around to it. Um, she did uh, break down how to pronounce her name for me, which I thought was really <laughs> kind. <laughs> because, well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, she said that she'd been wanting to write for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because she thinks of us every time she tries a new craft IPA that she loves or hears something that she thinks that we would enjoy hearing about, which uh, is, is absolutely absolutely true. Um, and uh, two, uh, she writes, you guys are relationship goals. You helped me, she writes, to gather the strength I needed to recognize the situation I found myself in after being in an eight-year-long relationship that had sadly devolved into unhealthy codependence, isolation, and mental and emotional abuse. It uh, goes on to talk about how uh, she was manipulated into feeling horribly about herself yep. and uh, that she has laughed with us and cried with us. And uh, she has been and she said that we've been a regular reminder that even as a flawed and imperfect human, uh, she deserves love and happiness and uh, that she don't have to put up with no bullshit. That's right. And that just, I cannot tell you how much it means to me to to get that kind of um, message and um, how incredibly strong you have to be to pull yourself out of that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And I just I thank you so much for, for writing to us and, and sharing that with us and letting us be a part of your life. And uh, it, it means a lot to us. 
I know that you say that, you know, we meant a lot to you, but that's, I mean, that means a lot. That to means us. a lot to us. It really does. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Feelings and stuff. Things. Whatever. Love you. All right. What you got for me? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt. I don't even know how to start this. Okay, let's talk about spoonerisms. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love spoonerisms. Well, I thought um, we would we would get into spoonerisms and then talk about some other verbal oddities, okay. if you will. Okay. So a spoonerism is named after William Archibald Spooner. And he was a long-serving Oxford Don, notable for absent-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, though, from what I... For, for sure. I've read. Um, a don, by the way, is a title given to fellows and tutors of a college or university. I did not know that. So Spooner worked at a New College for more than 60 years. And New College is one of the constituent colleges of the University of Oxford in the UK. Um, at New College, he served as fellow, lecturer, tutor, dean, and warden. He lectured on ancient history, divinity, philosophy, especially on Aristotle's ethics. Uh, He was well-liked and respected. He was described as an albino, small, with a pink face, poor eyesight, and a head too large for his body, (laughs) often described as looking like a rabbit, which I think I would love and adore him for just that reason. Mm -hmm. Kindly, hospitable man, and became very popular for transposing letters or syllables as he spoke. If I recall, it wasn't just once in a while. No, it was pretty often. An example of this would be, he might say, it is kistomary to cuss the bride. (laughs) Or you must have hissed all of my mystery lectures. So the term spoonerism is derived from his name. And he became so famous for his spoonerisms that people would attend his lectures just to hear him make mistakes. Oh, oh, sure. Sure they would. I'd go. I'd audit that class. <laughs> he uh, he did not dig on this publicity that no. he got for messing things up <laughs> as much as you might think. Uh, but it wasn't just this thing. Like, he was eccentric in a couple of different ways. One uh, other thing that he did that was very notable He wrote to a fellow professor to ask him to come to his college immediately to help him solve a problem. And at the end of the letter, he added, uh, P.S., that matter had been resolved and he didn't need to come. Okay. Okay. Which reminds me a lot of a a letter that my dad had uh, when I was a kid that he loved. It was a joke. Uh, And it was all, it was written as though a son was writing to his dad and he's all like, dad, I was going to send you some money, but I had already closed the envelope and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Well, I know that that, uh, there are a lot of stories about people who are extremely um, intelligent, genius level, who are somewhat deficient in just everyday small tasks. Sure. That story reminded me of uh, my dad, who is a retired university mathematics professor. Um, When he was working on his master's degree, he took classes from a guy who actually was one of Einstein's uh, protégés. This guy was super, super intellect type of guy. 
but he was very odd. Dad said that he used to, um, while he'd be lecturing and, and writing on the chalkboard, he would eat potato chips right out of his suit jacket pocket, just absentmindedly, no bag, just, you know. Just a handful of chips yep, in his pocket. In his pocket. Sure. And dad said one time during his uh, his lecture, as he's writing on the board and eating potato chips out of his pocket, he pulled out a receipt from a store that he had in his pocket and stuffed that in his mouth and ate it too. Didn't miss a beat. Didn't even notice nope, that it was happening. Nope. He was That's amazing. so involved and absorbed in what he was doing in the math problem that uh, he ate his receipt. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Jay's dad, by the way, if you've ever seen the television show Square One, uh, his dad wrote the math problems for Math Man. That's right. He's very proud of that. And as well, he should be. Yeah. I watched that show <laughs> as a child. Yeah. Uh-huh. And was obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah. Square one. Do, 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 do. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Square one tangent done. So yeah, that's a spoonerism. It's good fun. That's where spoonerisms come from. Moving right along. A malapropism, also called a malaprope. That is the use of an incorrect word in place of a word with a similar sound, resulting in a nonsensical, sometimes humorous sentence. So that actually comes from a character named Mrs. Malaprope in Sheridan's 1775 play, The Rivals. So Mrs. Malaprope frequently misspeaks to a comic effect by using words which don't have the meaning that she intends them to, Mm -hmm. uh, but which sound similar. So an example might be uh, when baseball player Yogi Berra said, Texas has a lot of electrical votes. Yeah, right. Okay, gotcha. Yogi Berra was an amazing linguist. Yogi Berra once said, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. (laughs) (laughs) um, Probably the best advice he ever gave was, uh, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. That's, yeah. Let's talk about... Eggcorn. The term eggcorn was coined by professor of linguistics Jeffrey Pullum in 2003 in response to an article by Mark Lieberman on the website Language Log, which is a blog for linguists. Lieberman discussed the case of a woman who substitutes the phrase eggcorn for the word acorn, and he argued that the precise phenomenon lacked a name. So, Eggcorn is when someone says something like, it was spurt of the moment. Okay. Or for all intensive purposes. Yeah, I love that one. And this is something that I have always struggled with, and I have to actually stop and think about what I'm saying is nip it in the butt, which it's (laughs) nip it in the bud. In the bud. But the butt makes just as much sense to me. Well, more sense, really. Thank you. When you think about it. Right. You get... get because if you if you nip your butt, you're pinching your butt, you're getting a move on, you're taking care of the situation. Right, right. That's how that all works. Sure. Up in here. In your brain parts. Yup. <laughs> the inner workings of Katrina Wall's mind. Now, this is not to be confused with mumpsimus. 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 Which is when a person stubbornly continues to mispronounce a word or phrase after being corrected multiple times. What about if you just do it for comedic effect, like I do? Like the Swifter? Swifter, yeah. God damn it. (laughs) 
I knew exactly what you were getting at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I think that's years exactly ago, what that is. Years ago, years ago, I referred to the Swiffer as a Swifter, and um, I noted that uh, it seemed to annoy Cat. So now, years later, I still call it a Swifter, but he, I just throw it in. He speaks about them more often than he has to, just to say the word. <laughs> My mom is a perfect example of someone who does this. She it refuses to say height. Mm. It's always height. height with a th. Even yeah. though I've assisted her mm-hmm. in knowing the correct word, right, 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 many times across. Across. She does it on purpose. I, I, I Netflix. <laughs> Vanilla folder. Vanilla folder. Gotcha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh? Actually, vanilla folder might fall into one of the other categories. That might be no, because she stubbornly refuses to fix okay, it. Okay, all right. I think that the stubborn part is that's, what matters there. That's the thing. That's the key. Gotcha. Ah, oh, jeez. Moving right along. Ooh. <laughs> Was that a trigger for you? <laughs> <laughs> now these have all been verbal quirks, right? A mondegreen is a mishearing or misinterpretation of a phrase as a result of things sounding the same in a way that gives this, the phrase that you're hearing a new meaning. So mondegrees are most often created by a person listening to a song. You, you and I know this very well as misheard lyrics. Misheard lyrics, yeah. My favorite that I think perfectly encapsulates what it is and illustrates the different meaning is excuse me while i kiss the sky yeah which i always heard as excuse me while i kiss this guy right which was very forward thinking for Jimi hendrix in the 60s right i'm into it yeah just not the way the song was intended to be interpreted right yeah what about build me up buttercup I'll be a styrofoam weenie for you. That's a good one. For years, I thought Leonard Skinner was was singing uh, in in Birmingham. We love the gum nut. And I didn't even know what a gum nut was. No. Um, I thought it must have been something. Sounds very controversial. It really does. Apparently, they love the govna. That's what they were saying. And it wasn't until years had gone by that I realized that I was singing it wrong. Of course, a very popular one, uh, Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza. Right. That's one of my favorite songs. It's a sensitive ballad tribute to a person's love for former... Who's the boss? (laughs) Yeah, for who's the boss. Yep. Who doesn't love who's the boss? I always thought that... That Mona was a little more harsh than she needed to be. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I thought they were trying to play off that Golden Girls charm. And they didn't quite hit it. They didn't have the chemistry. Gotcha. Plus, I'm sorry, you don't have Blanche. You can't do it. I yeah, if you know. don't have Blanche, you're destined to failure. Right from the beginning, Rose was my favorite. Rose is a, is yeah. a treat. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Golden Girls. Which might actually end up being another podcast that we do, just about the Golden Girls. Listen, I think that the Golden Girls is a great way to break down how shows can provide characters that are a little bit of every single one of us. Sure. I think all of us have a Dorothy, a Rose, a Blanche, Estelle Getty. 
What's her name? No, you're right. I know people are yelling right now. Stop talking about the Golden Girls. No, they're yelling Estelle Getty's character's name. Oh. T. Sophia. God damn it! God damn it! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, enough about the Golden Girls. She was from Sicily. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, Anyway, this was just a topic so that we could talk about misheard lyrics. (laughs) Which should be its own topic, really. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, those are some interesting, I think, verbal quirks. What about when a person will take two words and combine them into one? It's just called German. (laughs) That's the German language. That's how they build new words. They just, okay. Because uh, there was a uh, a local pastor here in Bangor uh, a number of years ago who was in the middle of his sermon, was trying to be, you know, hip and with it. And he wanted to imply, hey, don't get upset about this. He wanted to say, don't get your panties in a twist or don't get your panties in a knot. He couldn't make up his mind. So he said, don't get your panties in a twat. Which, to the great delight of the congregation. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was a great moment. That was right before he was arrested for embezzlement. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to know about that. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Fascinating stuff. I love that. It's nice to know that these things have names. Yes. And if they don't, you can name it. That's right. That was a fun part of the story. I'm hungry. (laughs) You want to wrap this up and go get something to eat? Yes, please. So we ended the last show talking about having to go get some barbecue. But that was just to tamp (laughs) down down your sadness with food. Just push it down. (laughs) Just push it down with sauce. Mm. That's what I do. That's a... I don't need them feelings. Push it down with sauce. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our live shows... The week of Halloween, Sunday we're in Boston, that's the 27th, Tuesday the 29th in Charlotte, Wednesday the 30th in Nashville, and uh, are we still considering doing another show? Yes. Okay, all right. We'll hopefully have an answer for you on that, maybe by the next time the show drops. It's a scheduling issue more than anything right now. Yeah, it's a scheduling issue because I keep leaving my job, and they're like, (laughs) you have to come here. (laughs) And yeah, I, it's a scheduling issue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I have I have to go places. <laughs> no, no, you have to come here. You have to come to your job. Mm. Yeah. See, at my job, they don't even know when I'm there. That's true. You know, I just kind of walk in and close my door, do my thing and leave. And um, which is what you'd expect at a sperm bank. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> little known fact, I work at a sperm bank. <laughs> Anyway, Box of Oddities, it'll land on your phone again on Thursday, and we look forward to seeing you. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Flying proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. 
Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.